Hey guys, Spearsy here. Uh, we know how badly you want to go on the 80s cruise, and we want you to be there. So let's make it happen. ECP, the company that has created and given us the joy that is the 80s cruise, has a new special pricing plan out. It gives you a year, one year, to pay your tab, plus special low pricing for the month of August. The uh, promo code you need is the word August. You got it. Find out more on how to join Brad and me. For Big 80s Trivia, live podcasts, concerts by Kenny Loggins, OMD, The Fix, Cutting Crew, Berlin, you name it. They're going to be there. We're going to be there. You be there too. Go to www.the80scruise.com. Now on with the show. Travel back in time to the 80s. Reliving the shenanigans. It was the early 80s, and sex was still a good way to meet new people. The disappointment. Now that's a real shame when folks be throwing away a perfectly good white boy like that. And the self-confidence. I'm six foot, three inches tall, and maintain a very consistent panda bear shape. Because just like you, we're stuck in the 80s. Sure, it's not 1985 right now, but who knows what tomorrow will bring. Hey, hey, welcome to Stuck in the 80s. It's your host, Steve Spears. And Brad in LA. And today we talk to the author of an amazing new book about music from our decade. It's our interview with Mike Hipple of 80s Redux. Stuck in the 80s is a member of the CLNS Podcast Network. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and the CLNS Media mobile app. Don't forget to listen to our podcast at the CLNS Media website. You can find it at... Do you remember, Steve? It's clnsmedia.com. <laughs> and always, always, we plead, please, if you love our show, share the links on social media. And don't forget to like our page on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. It's at Stuck in the 80s on Twitter. You cannot miss it. Hey, everyone. Remember a few months ago, we did that fun little episode on the ultimate 80s summer reading list? You remember that, Brad, right? Yeah, I read books for that show. <laughs> Which you didn't need to do. But we didn't tell you. It's okay. Anyway, at the time, I was just starting to read a new book that a writer had, had sent me, and it's called 80s Redux, Your Favorite Musicians Today. I enjoyed it so much that I wanted to bring the author of the book onto the show. So today, I'll share my interview with Mike Hipple. He's a freelance photographer based in Seattle, very accomplished, award-winning. He will talk about his memories of the 80s, his inspiration for the book. We'll share some stories about each of our encounters with musicians that we all love during the decade. It's almost like a perfect coffee table book because as a photographer, Mike has shot some really amazing photos. We talk about that a little bit during the interview. The, the photos are just the opposite of what you're used to. I mean, Brad, you know what it's like. We, okay. we get all these um, in our business. We, oh, yeah. People want to take my picture all the time. Yeah, no, 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 I just, no, no, you know, no, no, picture, no, no pictures today. No pictures today. I hate having, I hate having <laughs> my picture taken. That, that is like everyone knows that. But the, the pictures that we see, you know, from day to day in the uh, in the corporate headquarters that is stuck in the eighties, they're they're like you know real static publicity photos that you know maybe you can see the guy's face, maybe you can't. They're all standing in front of a warehouse somewhere, you know, looking at the ground or staring at the sun. One of them's looking tough, and one of them's got the drum sticks out. Right. And so, what's nice about this book, Mike Keppel is a fantastic photographer and he does really good portraits. And so you get these photos 
of these people that you know so well over the decades, but you see them in, in kind of as they really are. So, I mean, stripped down. Okay. A lot of times at their homes or so, you know, something important to them. And so you have these. Okay. So more in their natural habitat. Right. Right. See, but, but really. Than this kind of perceived world that they yeah, live but in. Really good, really interesting photos. And then he matches each one of them up with a nice little interview that he's done with them. And he, and he basically updates you on what they've been doing since the eighties. And some of them, like uh, Quarter Flash, one of your favorite bands, because of the sax solos. <laughs> um, okay. I love Quarter Flash. I used to have a quarter, and I, I think I told Mike during the interview, I used to have a Quarter Flash poster on my wall. You used to have a poster? Yeah. You're such a dork. You're I, such I'm, a dork. I'm staring right now at my wall, and I'm, I don't know if I've told people this, but I've, I'm plastering the, the walls of my home office with posters from the 80s excellent i have a rush poster so far a casual sex from the movie and then a something wild poster and then three more were at my doorstep when i got home tonight i haven't even opened them up to see what they are oh my gosh oh my gosh i but, gotta but, i gotta but, hurry up and get i have to hurry up and get your late birthday <laughs> present to you because it's something yeah. else for you to put on the wall oh good 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 but but quarter flash was one of those bands that i had on the wall in the 80s and i i don't know where they went to but but mike does and he shares it in the book other people he caught up with, uh, Robin Hitchcock, one of my favorites. Would love to see him perform live. Midjor, um, we both have interviewed him. Cindy Wilson from the B-52s. The guys from Modern English, you know, we had trivia with them on the 80s cruise. Dave Wakeling from English Beat. This guy, he's really done his work. It's a good book. It's a fun book. If you love the 80s, you're going to love this book. So sit back, why don't you, and enjoy our interview with Mike Hippel of 80s Redux. Hey, Mike. Welcome to Stuck in the 80s. Hey, thanks for having me, Steve. So I have a copy of your new book, 80s Redux, uh, your favorite musicians today. And I must admit, I'm pretty addicted to it. I, I find myself going back and looking through the photography and rereading the chapters about the musicians that I personally loved during the 80s. Yeah, great. Thank you. So I, I want to start at the beginning. Um, for perspective for me and our listeners, how, how old were you in the 80s? I mean, what, what year did you graduate high school? Uh, I graduated high school in 1988 from Liverpool High School in New York. Oh, okay, so you're a couple years younger than I am, but you still lived during the, the the grandeur that was the best of the 80s. I did, indeed. I have photos to prove it. <laughs> <laughs> what, what was your What was your If you were in a clique in the 80s, what would it have been? Oh, that's a hard question. Uh, there were so many kids at my school. There were like 4,000 kids at my high school. Uh, and I just feel like, I, I feel like I really didn't fit it into any of them necessarily. Uh, you know, I was kind of, you know, I listened to the weird, the weird music, uh, but I didn't really, I wasn't super, uh, punk rocky looking, you know what I mean? I just, I looked kind of normal, I guess, but I was just kind of, I don't know. So I did, I didn't hang out with them so much. I didn't hang out with the popular kids. I didn't really hang out with the jocks. Uh, I just kind of floated around. <laughs> I, I think that's how so many of us feel about that time. I mean, I don't think I've yet to meet a person who says, oh, yeah, 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 I was part of this clique, and I ran with the popular kids, and I knew who's, who I was and what I was up to. <laughs> so, Yeah, I knew I did not have any clue about who I was at that time. I, I, um, like you. None of us do, really. No, no, that's the whole point of high school. I don't think you realize that until maybe 20 years later. And you don't realize uh, – you, you think that you know, know exactly who you are and what you are about and so on and so forth when you're that age. Uh, 
but you really don't. Yeah. <laughs> you go back and you're in retrospect, you're like, oh yeah, I had no idea. It, it's it's funny in a way how music defines you during that era of your life. I when I started high school, I was into ACDC and Journey and Triumph, and by the time I finished, I was into uh, Frankie Goes to Hollywood and Simple Minds and stuff like that. And I, I remember starting high school, being on the football team, you know, listening to my ACDC. And then I remember my senior year being in the, being in the mall where, 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 where everything happens in high school, wearing a Frankie Goes to Hollywood t-shirt and then having people that used to be on the football team threaten to beat me up because of the said t-shirt I was wearing. Yeah. Because then, then, of course, you're gay, right? Because you're listening to Frankie Goes to Hollywood or whatever. Or you, you don't really fit into that that norm. So, therefore, you have to be X, Y, or Z. You, you, there, can, there cannot be any gray areas right. in high school. There just aren't. And thankfully, as time goes on, that disappears. And yet, when I come back and I read a book like yours, I'm like, it, it, it reminds me of the good times of listening to that music and discovering these bands and hearing them for the first time and wondering – who the people are behind the music. Yeah, indeed. And uh, uh, that thing that you were saying about, you know, how music define kind of like defines your group in high school, that, that was kind of the way it is uh, in our high school as well. And I totally remember this one girl, uh, you know, she would, I always thought it was so pretentious. She would carry around like the PIL record, like the actual vinyl <laughs> record on top of like her school books. And like, she was like, call, it was like, she was calling out to everybody. Like, look what I like. And do you know what I mean? Like, come, come talk to me if you like this. Yeah. I, I feel like, I feel like that, you know, I grew up in Syracuse, New York, and we had a great college radio station that, um, that really, uh, uh, exposed me to a lot of, a lot of this kind of music that, that I didn't really know about. Also MTV, you know, 120 minutes, et cetera. But, um, but really that college radio station whose name I cannot remember. Uh, but by the time I left high school, it turned into kind of more like dance music kind of thing. But uh, when I was in high school, it was great that, you know, they would play, you know, uh, the Romeo Void all the time. They would play the B-52s, Squeeze, English Beat, all this stuff that, you know, wasn't really necessarily on the top 40. You're so lucky to live up north. D down here in Florida where I grew up, and to this day, I think, college radio was never a thing as far as I remember. It was – it was all mainstream, so you got your your share of Journey and Sticks and Ario Speedwagon. You know, served to you by the bowlful. And if you wanted to discover a band like the B fifty twos or Frankie or PIL or or Depeche Mode, you, you you basically had to have friends who moved here from somewhere else and who had already heard of them, or you know you got it off MTV, but you didn't get it off of radio. Yeah, yeah. We, I was. I, I feel like we were kind of lucky in that regard because we got it from a bunch of different areas. So, of the musicians that you interviewed for your book, how many of them did you actually see perform live, like during their heyday of the eighties? Oh my God! Um, looking at, let me look here. Uh, I saw Book of Love. Nice. Uh, who else? Uh, I, oh, I, I I saw Concrete Blonde. Oh, nice. <laughs> well, actually, I didn't necessarily see Concrete Blonde. I had tickets to see Concrete Blonde. And then my mom found out that it was at a bar uh, and absolutely refused to allow us to go. <laughs> and then the people that I was going to go with, uh, my mom told their mom, and then it was just, they were all mad at me. It was just not, it was not good. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, I was, yeah. I saw Pylon, but I saw them more in the, uh, like, I think it was 1990. So maybe not exactly in the heyday of the 80s. 
It's it's difficult because, like I said, so many of those bands, a lot of these bands didn't tour very extensively in the eighties. I mean, I know of the bands I've interviewed over the years and stuck in the eighties. I mean, I remember talking to Wang Chung, thinking, and I'm like, how come I never saw you guys perform live? They're like, well, we never really did a tour of the U.S. That record company never really let us. Huh? That's bizarre. They they had quite a few hits. That's they did, weird. but the, the record company wasn't ready f- to support them on a tour, and. I, huh. So you you either you either you had to reach a certain level where it just made financial sense or it just never happened and so I think we kind of find ourselves today in a, almost a golden era of these bands that we love so much touring again like you know because there's so many more outlets now you have these these um, retro festivals and and the 80s cruise. And, uh, you know, Lost 80s Live, where you, they, they basically, they can get like five or six of these bands together and make it financially work. And so you get to see Drama Rama or Gene Loves Jezebel and stuff like that or Modern English again. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And from what I understand, uh, the way the music industry works these days, I mean, that's really the only way people can make money anymore. And, uh, uh, you know, I talked to a lot of these guys about these tours that they do, the 80s retro tours and stuff, and they, they, they all seem to unanimously love doing them because they love the fans that come out there. They love playing those songs still, and uh, uh, they just seem still genuinely very excited and happy that, that people are still uh, interested in their music. Yeah, it, it's funny. There, there's, there's, like two, there's almost two schools of thoughts. There, there are the bands like that you just mentioned who just they're like, hey, I, I, I love that that time in my life when we produce this great music that connected with people and it's fun to perform it for them live again. And then you got these other, and then you got another school of thought, which is that I'm not an eighties artist. I'm, I'm a, I'm a valid contemporary musician and I don't appreciate being labeled, you know, as an eighties act. Okay. I, I never came across that necessarily. I did. I mean, a lot of these artists are still producing what I think is fairly interesting and good music. Uh, and they they definitely want to uh, highlight that, but at the same time they're very content with the legacy yeah. that they have yeah. too. I mean, it's, some people. I mean, I, I know because I'm so close to the '80s cruise people. I I know that they have stories about bands that are like, "We'd love to do your trip. We would love to come out there and entertain, but can we just call it anything other than the '80s cruise? <laughs> can we can we can we call it huh, okay. can we call it like?" <laughs> You know the retro cruise, or the, or just some, anything other than that label. For some reason, for some people, I just think it's a dirty huh. word, and I think that's unfortunate. I do too, because I feel like there may have been a time period where uh, that could have been seen as a dirty word. But if you look around, like contemporary music today, uh, there's so much music out there that that just is very reminiscent and influenced by the stuff that came before in the '80s. Uh, you know, I'm thinking, I'm thinking of like. Uh, Carly Rae Jepsen or uh, Katy Perry even, or all those kind of pop people. They, they really rely on those eighties beats and the synthesizer, all that good stuff. And uh, yeah, I, I, I think it's a mistake to, to look at it as a dirty word. So, so where does the idea for the book come from? What was it? I mean, tell me the genesis of how it all got started. Okay. Yeah. So in uh, it's, it's kind of a convoluted story, but in 2011, um, uh, well, let me go back a little further in 2008, uh, we had adopted a baby. Uh, so our whole lives were about this little child and we we're in this little bubble of a world, you know, just making sure that she was fed and that she was pooping and all that stuff that you think about <laughs> when you have a baby. And, right. uh, as an artist and as a photographer, I wasn't really doing a lot of work at that particular time. 
Uh, and by 2011, I was feeling itchy to like get out there and, and, and work the, my muscle on that. Uh, so I just kind of get, gave myself some self assignments and, uh, I just took a trip to New York and just started reaching out to artists that I really admired. Uh, it was more like designers, architects, things along that line. And this, uh, guy named Chip Kidd, he's a pretty famous designer, uh, said yes. And so I photographed him and then I spent a couple of years working on this book of creative people, people that I really looked up to and admired. Uh, and then I pitched that as a book project and, and nobody wanted to touch it. Uh, one publisher there in that, in that batch of photos in that initial pitch, uh, there was a photo of uh, Dave Wakeling from the English beat. Mm-hmm. And, uh, 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 the, one of the publishers pulled that out and was like, you know, this book is a little too, there's too many different things here. Why don't you just focus on like eighties musicians or something like that? And I, I thought, Oh, that's great. You know, I didn't really think too much about it. Um, and then I, did, and then I just, I just sat on that idea for a while and I'm like, I love that era. I love that music. I continually go back to that music. It's, you know, and in the eighties, I was very into that stuff. Uh, and I'm like, maybe I can do this. And I, I kind of half-heartedly started reaching out and doing a couple of things, and uh, nothing really was happening. Other things were happening in my, my life, too, so I was kind of busy with that. But then one day, the phone rang, and it was um, uh, Valerie from a band called New Shoes in the 80s. You know, I Can't Wait, that song was, that, sure, that was yeah. a big song. I know Valerie, yeah. Uh, she's, like, she's like, hey, Mike, this is Valerie from New Shoes. I'm wondering if you can come down and take some, some band portraits of us. And, uh, so I said, Oh yeah, but you know, can you, can you be part of this book project that I'm working on? Uh, and then I didn't realize that Portland, they, they're from Portland, Oregon. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't realize that Portland was such a big hotbed of eighties artists. Like they're there, uh, the motel, uh, Martha Davis from the motels lives there. Uh, quarter flash, quarter flash are there. Tommy two tone is there. Um, so I started reaching out to those people since it's basically in my own backyard. Uh, and then that they, I got lots of yeses. And then I just continued to go on from there. Uh, I went to London. I went to Athens, Georgia to photograph some folks. I went to New York a couple of times, Los Angeles a couple of times. Uh, and it just kind of, the ball just got rolling from, from artists in Portland, basically. Uh, and then there, and then now two years later, two years of hardcore work on it. And here we have a book. So did you do the interviews at the same time that you did the portraits or did you, were those like separate? Sometimes I did the interviews at the, at the same time. Uh, and other times we would just would do Skype interviews after the fact. Uh, I like to do them when I was there because, uh, because sometimes it was difficult making the connection after the fact to get the times and schedules to work. Um, so I would, I would, that would be my ideal part. We would do the photo shoot and then talk as well. Uh, and that seemed to be the best idea, but sometimes some of them were done after the fact. I love how um, some of the, so many of the interviews with artists that I really worship for so long, inc- including Dave Wakeling and, and Robin Hitchcock. I I know that a lot of times when, when I when I get those interviews, um, you know, I feel sick the day before. You know, I, get, <laughs> I can't sleep. I I get um, you know nauseous trying to come up with questions. Um, were there any cases where you kind of felt similarly, you know, starstruck by the experience? All the time, <laughs> all the time. <laughs> I, 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 the feeling that the the best way I can describe it is like you're you're sick and you have to go to the doctor and you know that you have to get a shot or something and that like butterflies in your stomach. Uh, and then you have to add the added pressure for me is I have to make this person look good as well as you know sound good. I have to come up with good idea and a good you know and. Uh, um, 
it, it, it doesn't get easier. I admired all these people and, uh, uh, but I will say that all of them were very open with their time and their energy and were very interested in making a good photograph and a good portrait. Um, I didn't really have anybody that was kind of standoffish or weird about any of that stuff. Uh, so they, they made it easier for me. They, they, they definitely made it easy to, to approach. They're all very approachable people. Were there some artists that you, um, approached that just were, that you can, tell me about that you you were hoping would would get attached to the project but just said look you know can't do it you know or just you know standoffish or truculent yes uh but but mostly i had a lot of people that just didn't get back to me that i really wanted to get uh people like um uh andy partridge from xtc he was like a big get for me i mm -hmm. really wanted to get him on the sh on uh, in the book but i never had the proper contact information i you know some of these people are are a little bit more difficult to get a hold of uh, I really wanted to get uh, Tom Bailey from the Thompson Twins, oh, yeah. um, and I spoke with their people a, a couple of times. But uh, when I was in London, he was in New Zealand, and we just, you know, obviously, I, you know, I couldn't make the timing work on some of those things. So I was a little disappointed that I couldn't get some of those people. Um, so I guess I'm just going to have to do a book too. <laughs> well, if you need help with Tom, I can. I've, I've interviewed him at least once, and he's he's fantastic. Okay. He's a great interview, and. Uh, he played the '80s cruise a couple of years ago, and so I actually oh, okay. had a chance to hang out with him a couple of times. But one of the, one of the craziest things about talking to him this was before he had made his comeback. He he had agreed to do the Retro Futura tour, which I can never say correctly, but Retro <laughs> Futura tour. Um, and so he was playing, and Midge Yor was playing, and uh, Katrina from Katrina and the Waves was there. Um, all people that I've had on the podcast. But Tom, I remember asking, I was like, look, you haven't performed these songs in 30 years. How do you go about, you know, rehearsing? He's like, I actually had to go to a record store and buy a, a Greatest Hits CD. <laughs> I can imagine that's the case. <laughs> so, so, uh, well, that's a different story. I was going to say, I, 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 I'm curious now what he was doing for those 30 years, but uh, that's a different story. <laughs> yeah, definitely ask him because I think that's the, I think there's a lot to be, to be written about that. Like what, what have you been doing? And I remember him telling me things like he, he didn't own a television and he's not on social media. And he was, I know he was raising kids and trying to be a family man, but which, which is, I think a, a similar storyline that we hear with a lot of the people in your book. I mean, yeah. these people, they had their time where, where they, they made music. And when you do that, it, it's a all encompassing you know, adventure and, and, but it's not all you want to do with your life. You want to have a family and raise kids. And so I, I saw that, that, that similar strain kind of, you know, from start to finish during your book. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and one of the reasons why, when I started, got into this project, uh, you know, that, that question of these people had these huge highs, which not a lot of us have. Uh, and then you don't really hear much from them. And like, how do they feel about that? Like, what are they, what are they doing anymore? Like, are they still getting, are they still getting something? Uh, obviously these are very creative people. What are they, what are they doing to fulfill that itch? Right. Um, and I just, I just thought, thought it was fascinating how, yeah, there were quite a few people who decided to just drop out altogether and raise their kids, which I thought was a fantastic idea. Uh, and then there was just other people who, you know, like I, I sat for hours talking to Paul Fishman uh, from Reflex, uh, and it's just it's just fascinating to me. Like he just 
didn't want to keep touring and doing doing that grind. But he has such a, he has a mind that it's just I just have to do more music. I just do this thing. I do this. I do that. Uh, you know, he started a radio station. Uh, all these other creative outlets that these people are are using. And in my head, I feel like if I was a rock star in the 80s, that's all I'd ever want to be. And I wouldn't be able to really see past right. that. So it's just fascinating to me that these people, these people that I really looked up to just have these very rich lives that you don't really uh, hear much about these days. The, the one story that, that, that I, I remember reading the first time going, oh, my God, I've always wondered what happened to them, was uh, Mary and Rindy Ross of Quarter Flash. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They were they and, were so big, and and they were. I mean, they were. Huge. I remember I had a quarter flash poster on my wall at one point. <laughs> yeah, and she. I guess they just stepped back from the from the spotlight. They got too much, and uh, you know they they did their. I, I think Rindy became. Didn't she become a, a therapist? I think it was music therapist. Yeah, yeah, uh, I think and, so. Yeah, they just completely different from what they were doing. Um, uh, and I just, I just, I do find that fascinating. The, my, one of my favorite stories was Martha, Martha Davis from the motels, yes. uh, who just retreated to this old hundred year old farmhouse up, you know, outside Portland. And it was funny when she said it's outside Portland. It is so far outside <laughs> Portland. It's, it's, it's not like, you know, it's, it's, it's out there. And, you know, she was just great. And she just, you know, you can just see the bliss in their face about where they're at in their lives. I just love that. Yeah. And, yeah, I just I just love that feeling, and that's one of the more interesting things about the book too is that I'm, we're so used to seeing sanitized publicity photos of these musicians, and you were able to capture far more unique portraits um, that show off their personalities. Uh, uh, was was that your goal? Yes, that was definitely my goal. Uh, you know, we didn't we didn't go into these with a huge crew or, or hair and makeup people or anything like that. Uh, I just, I just wanted to portray them as, as people, uh, that they are. Um, and again, like I said earlier, none of these people, none of these artists, uh, uh, were the, were the least bit pretentious or overbearing or made horrible demands. They just, they came there with an open mind. They, they were open to doing whatever we wanted to do. Um, you know, sometimes I would have ideas in my head and we wouldn't be able to do them for X, Y, or Z, but, you know, we were able to work together on the fly to get things, you know, I, I, I wanted more than just a mugshot. I wanted something that, sh- that talked about where they're at today. So I'm really glad that you said that actually. <laughs> have, you, have you heard any reaction back from any of the artists that uh, are featured in the book? Uh, I've heard a lot of them say that they really like it. So that's good. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, I haven't, nobody, if, if they had negative comments, they haven't told me. <laughs> Well, good luck with your book, 80s Redux, uh, your favorite musicians today. You can bet I am going to be sharing my enthusiasm over and over again for your work with our fans here on Stuck in the 80s. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So there you go. Mike Hipple from uh, 80s Redux. That was good. I like you kind of, you both kind of warmed to it a little bit. Oh, I, I, who's fun to talk to? We, we actually talked on the phone for probably twice as long as the interview was that you heard. And we shared some stories about uh, people we talked to. Stuck in the 80s, the lost archives. Yeah, I don't think I, I don't think I, yeah, I do have it saved somewhere. But, um, we talked about, you know, people that we've both been chasing around, trying to catch up with. And, and, uh, one of the things that I thought was interesting was, I don't even know, it wasn't on my list of questions to ask him was, 
you know, what click did you identify with in, in high school? Mm-hmm. And he, you know, he gave us his answer. And then I had literally been thinking about that for the, the week or so since I talked to him. And I thought, man, do I mean, okay. does anybody really know? I mean, I mean, I look back now and I'm like, well, this is where I think I was, but, may, but am I right? Well, who were you? Who'd you eat lunch with? Who'd you eat lunch with? <sighs> like other people in the computer club and we didn't eat lunch. We went to the library and did our homework. Okay. Well, that's, you know, demented and sad, but social. <laughs> I, mean, I, th- I think that's, I think, I don't know. I think the people you eat with or spend that time with are, that's your tribe. I mean, my, my friends, we were band geeks. Like I was with the band geeks. And when I moved to California, I fell right in with the, my new tribe of band geeks. Okay. So I was with the nerds. Okay. I was, I was with the book nerds and you're with the band nerds. Basically. Yeah. And now we do a podcast together. It's Still really thinking. surprising, isn't it? <laughs> it really is surprising. How, these roads, how did we, how did we end up here? I just, I, I don't know. I'm going to have to go listen to talking heads and figure this one out. Hey, here's some good news though. I, I just got an email from Mike today, actually, and he is going to give away a signed copy of his book. We're going to use it as the prize. For this week's Seggies. So oh, pay attention nice. to the Seggies. Is he going to send pay that directly? Attention to the Seggies. <laughs> Is he going to what? Is he going to send that directly or am I going to have to ship that? Yeah. Because nope. if he's going to send it directly, nope. he's gonna send the it listener to- might have a chance of getting it. Yeah. In this, in this yeah. lifetime. Before, yeah, before but, the heat uh, death no, of the universe. I, he offered, he's like, I can mail it to you guys or I can mail it straight to him. I like, mail it straight to him. Yeah. If you send it to me, Brad's so, just going to keep it. Exactly. Yeah. Then I started thinking, well, what if I send you my book back? Will you sign it and re- return it to me? Because I would love to have that. Anyway, so pay attention uh, during this week's Seggies. If you get this week's Seggies r- right, you are entered into the drawing for a free copy of 80s Redux signed by Mike Hipple. Nice. Support for this week's Stuck in Ease podcast comes from Hims Brad. Did you know that 66% of men start losing their hair by age 35? You know, I'm guessing that a fair percentage of our male listeners are keenly aware of that fact, Steve. It, it might be as high as 66% that know that. I think if you take away our six or seven female listeners, I think the percentage will be exactly 66%. The thing is, once you start losing your hair, it, it can be too late. It's easier to keep the hair you have. Then replace it when it's gone. So let me ask you a question. Do you want a bald spot? Do you want a receding hairline? Or do you want to try and get in front of that problem and do something about it first? That's where our sponsor comes in this week. Uh, Hims.com is a one-stop shop for hair loss, skin care, and sexual wellness for men. Thanks to science, baldness can be optional. And if you send me a t-shirt that says, thanks to science, baldness can be optional, Brad, I will send you a signed copy of 80s Redux signed by Steve Spears. Really? I thought you were going to say, you will send me a mail bomb. Anyway, Hims connects you with real doctors and medical-grade solutions to treat hair loss. They offer well-known generic equivalents of name-brand prescriptions to help you keep your hair. No picking up germs at the waiting room, no awkward doctor conversation, no sidelong glances from the pharmacist. Save your time, save your money by going to forhims.com. There is nothing, nothing in this world I hate more than going to see a doctor over something like this. And hims.com is smart to offer this service. I know a lot of my guy friends feel the same way. Better to tackle our issues using like a really smart, intuitive website than taking a half day off from work to go visit Dr. Jellyfingers. If Dr. Jellyfingers is checking you there for hair loss, you need to find another doctor. <laughs> Just need to use a website. Yeah, I'm telling you. Because you, friend, are a Stuck in the 80s listener, you get a special deal. A trial month of hymns for just $5, including a doctor's consultation, while supplies last. 
$5 instead of the hundreds you'd spend on a trip to the doctor's office and the pharmacy, let alone the time you'd waste getting there to and from, blah, blah. Now you don't even have to leave the couch to get the hair loss solutions you need. Just go to 4 slash 80s. That's F-O-R-H-I-M-S dot com slash 80s and get a trial month for $5. Steve, you know what else I'd pay $5 for? The Seggies? The Seggies. You know, every week I like to say, ah, the mystical refrain that is listener mailbag. But is it really mystical? Isn't it kind of predictable? Uh, anyway. But, but you don't really know what the letters hold or, you know, what, well, what I do. madness lies beyond. Staring right at it. But anyway, so uh, we got some letters this week. Uh, Tom don't ruin Korn, all of the magic. Tom Korn in Austria. He's got to be one of our best friends in in Austria. And... Uh, he has a comment about our, our last show about three metal albums turning. Did I say metal or mental? It feels like I said mental. Uh, does it, does mental it, metal. Okay, does I think it, you said metal. Okay, it doesn't really matter. But three metal albums turning 30. So uh, Brad is the one with the enunciation this week, not me. So take it away. <laughs> Here we go. Tom writes, Dave, Brad, and Steve, excellent show, guys, about albums turning 30, and the episode piqued my interest in getting back into a couple of the three albums you featured. As a member of the class of 89, woo, I spent my high school years in a mashup of classic rock and heavy metal. I was going to Grateful Dead shows and Metallica concerts with a fair share of all-ages metal shows in some of Chicago's bigger dive bars and Bow Arts theaters. He paints a picture. He paints a picture. I can see the Bow Arts theaters. I can theaters. smell the theaters. He continues, I love that Aussie album and wore it out on my parents' stereo. Justice for All was one of the first CDs I ever bought. Poison and the hair metal bands were just a genre of derision in our clique of metal fans. That's a common theme. We've been yeah. getting a little stick from people saying, no, that's not really metal. To which I say, tell you what, skip that 10 minutes of the podcast and get on with your life. Okay, moving on. Tom says, in high school, we had that one friend whose house everyone would congregate at, and many a week and night was spent sleeping over, or more accurately, staying up all night, watching Headbangers Ball, horror movies, or sneaking out to meet up with girls at a park. Over the years, I lost most all interest in heavy metal music. It just didn't float my boat anymore. I found myself more drawn to the music of my childhood in the early 80s and bands I wasn't listening to so much in the later 80s. Hearing the snippets of songs through my headphones that you guys played tweaked a certain place in the recesses of my brain and reawoke what it was about those artists that used to pump me up so much as a teen. I do believe that I have a new old genre of music to rediscover once again. Thanks for that. And as an aside, thanks to Facebook, I reconnected with that high school friend. It turned out he inherited his family home when his dad passed away a few years ago. Well, on a visit back to the States, I stopped by his place. It was incredible to be standing in the rooms where so much of my formative teenage air quote up to no goodness, close quote, was established. Still stuck in the 80s, Tom Corn in wow. Austria. That's a good story. I love that. I love that. Yeah. I mean, have you had anything like that where you've like something that was you liked and you kind of set it aside and then you just a little spark of something got you back to it and you're like, oh, yeah, I remember yeah, why well, I like I mean, this so much. When the 80s started, I, I was more into uh, ACDC and the harder rock stuff. And then I kind of I kind of moved over to the new yeah. wave stuff. And in recent years, I've actually kind of been going back and enjoying some of the, the deeper catalog of ACDC and stuff like that. So it's no, I, I get it. So. Yeah. Some some one of these podcasts, I'm going to have to tell the story about how I lost uh, 
the attention of this girl that I had a crush on since middle school because she, by the time you know I finally caught her attention again, she was still into heavy metal and I had moved on to very, very, very new wave. And there was just no way that the... the, the <laughs> There's no bridging that gap. No, no. Isn't, that funny? Kind of was, Isn't that funny you think about that now? Like, really, music is what kept you apart, but it's not hard to imagine at the time. It was so important to your kind of self-identity, who you yeah. were and what you were about. And she was definitely embracing the up-to-no-goodness that Tom speaks of more, more so than mm. I was. I mean, I was embracing the whole, I'd like to go to college. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Hello, um, young ladies. <laughs> no, it wasn't really, uh, we weren't, we weren't destined to be together, but uh, anyway, uh, Tom is not the only correspondent this week. We have uh, letter number two. True. Linda, Nebraska with three N's. If you count Nebraska. Indeed. So he writes, Stephen, Brad, Brad, and Steve, I got a kick out of your current 80s obsessions on the latest podcast. I could identify with each of your entries in some way this time, and after a little pondering, I think I see a possible common link. Dave Dirt, normally a fan of the rock and heavy metal, talked about how he enjoyed taking in the Anita Baker show. Yeah, you won't be seeing her touring with Def Leppard anytime soon. I would say that my strongest 80s leanings musically are more in the new wave genre, but I would also say that I'm seeking out opportunities to take in all manner of 80s artists who pass through the area, such as Journey, Pat Benatar, Rick Springfield, ZZ Top, etc. I've even recently taken in the Little River Band <laughs> and may catch Gordon Lightfoot for a throwback to decades and singer-songwriters of days gone by. I guess time takes some of the rough edges off, eh? I don't know. Breck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. If he doesn't close with that, I wouldn't go. Yeah, I'm tearing the seats out of the auditorium. Burn the place down. Lynn continues. Steve Spears gets to take in the Violent Femmes and Echo and the Bunnymen. I know that this would normally be a show you would have cleared the schedule for and stayed for through the last encore. Me too. EATB are one of the 80s most underrated bands. Yes. But you said you bailed out early because your foot fatigue trumped the new songs playlist. This isn't an exact analogy, but I recently went to see a local show from Ministry, the 80s and 90s industrial giants, mostly out of curiosity, hoping to catch a few classics, and also you know, curious about what they were up to now. To my dismay, the two-hour audio assault I sustained started with all new, overtly ridiculous political songs, a few greatest hits thrown in at the end as a peace offering, all to the reverberations of an 80 to 90 plus decibel sound mix that outperformed my earplugs. My feet didn't give out, but my patience and my ears did. I left muttering to my friend, that's two hours and $40. I'll never get back. <laughs> 40 bucks. I say you got off cheap. Yeah, brother. no kidding. Brad Williams wants to purchase the Ferris Bueller's day off quasi Ferrari. Yeah, he does. I've been thinking ever since about what car or other souvenir from an 80s movie I would buy if I had the means and it came up for sale. I'd have to say that I would like to pack my museum with the better off dead Camaro. Mm. Al Cervix convertible from Caddyshack, Joel's dad's Porsche from Risky Business, James Bond's underwater car, and maybe the Back to the Future DeLorean, to name a few. Did you mean the Lotus Esprit that turns into a submarine? Is that what you meant, <laughs> Lynn, with three N's? <laughs> then say that. <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, didn't didn't Elon Musk buy that and say he was going to turn it into a submarine? Um like for real? I don't listen to what Elon Musk says about anything, but yeah. I don't either, but I seem to remember that. And I know at least one of my friends will get on me if I don't okay. mention it. So anyway, he continues. I suppose it goes without saying that just as stuck in the 80s has changed and evolved through the years, so do we all. What are you talking about? I'm exactly <laughs> the same. probably true. We might start to appreciate things that we outright 
expected 30 years ago, we might get a little more discriminating about how we choose to spend or invest our time, and we can more appreciate people and experiences of quality that make our life better and build memories. Well, as usual, Stuck in the 80s gets me thinking and laughing. Keep up the good work as your weekly podcast makes life better. Lynn with three N's in Nebraska. Wow. I, I, I find it interesting that he wants to pack his museum with just cars. I would have picked, from Better Off Dead, I would have picked the Porky's outfit that he has to wear at work. From Caddyshack, wee, wee. <laughs> from Caddyshack I wouldn't pick <laughs> out uh, Cervix convertible i would take his uh golf bag that has the radio the golf into bag it. yeah so what so let's dance from risky business i would take the the memo minder and uh no, oh no no you want the porsche you want the porsche <laughs> no. i don't care who the u-boat commander is with that u-boat you can get lots of memo i minders. just don't care about cars and I, I don't know what I would pick from Back to the Future, but it, um, Jennifer, it's certainly not going to be the underwear that has his name on it. That's all I'm going to say. But uh, you'd probably pick Jennifer. I know. I, I know how you are. They're on my wall right now. Anyway, we love your letters. Send them to podcast at sit80s.com. the truly mystical refrain that is i want my mystery tv theme song theme song theme song yeah meta meta we, meta uh this is the big one this is um we play a snippet of a theme song from the 80s if you get it right uh, you're entered into a drawing for this particular one this week's winner gets a bottle opener if you answer the next one right that we're going to tell you at the end then you're entered into the chance to get the mike hipple uh he's redux book which is much more valuable and much more precious than any bottle opener could be. <gasps> yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> I am very much so right. Uh, anyway, pay attention. Here was the song from our last podcast. No That's the theme from My Two Dads. This is me, Nicole Bradford. Cute, huh? This is my dad, and this is my dad. How'd I get two dads? They inherited me. Congratulations. It's a girl. Here's the judge who brought us together. She lives in our building. My building. I own it. She's going to make sure we're one big happy family with one dad who's down to earth and one dad with his head in the clouds. I, I think we're father of the year. You can count on me. No matter what you do, you can count on me. No matter where you go. Still creepy after all these years. Oh my gosh. This sh you know, here's the thing. If they made this show today, it would be a lot different. Be on the Disney show. It would be just a lot different. But um, no, it was I mean I think I watched a little bit of this. I'm familiar with it at least. I can say more so than most of the theme songs. I'd heard of it, but blah 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 blah. Anyway, read the winners, yeah. Brad. Blah blah blah. I've heard of all these people. They're fine, stuck in the eighties listeners. Winners this week include Joseph Purdue, Tim from Toadsuck, Brock in North Dakota, Canuck in Colorado, Rhoda Collins, Todd in Minnesota, DJ and Clinton, Dave Augie August, Brian in San Francisco. Never call it Frisco. It's San Francisco. And letter writer Tom Corn in Austria. Spin the wheel, Brad. No, wait, no. You know what? Let me spin the wheel. You know what I had for dinner tonight? I, I worked twelve hour day at Disney, and uh, so you had a cup of noodles. No, I had powdered sugar donuts for dinner at Disney. Oh. The three D's: donuts, dinner, and Disney. 
So I'm like, I if I don't burn all this energy now, I'm going to be up till four in the morning texting everybody. So here we go. Right? Spin it, baby. Show me. <laughs> I think I pulled his hamstring. Wait, was that a dog or was that you? <laughs> Something hurts. Is there a physical liver. therapist in the house? <laughs> and the wheel's coming to an abrupt close because we all have lives that we have to go back to, except for me. And the winner is DJ and Clinton. Wow. There we go. Nice. That's exciting. DJ, send us your snail mail address and we will get right on it. In the meantime, here's the one you're waiting for. This is for the book, the signed autographed book from Mike Hipple, 80s Redux. Pay attention. Here it comes. If you know it, email us at what is it, Brad? Podcast at SIT80S.com. And tune in soon to soon. Tune in next week. Tune in to every show. Just in case you might be Download twice, listen once. <laughs> a wiener. We'll be right back after this commercial break. Ten years ago, I thought Tab was something you had to drink. You go on a diet, you go by Tab, like it or not. But now Tab's got NutraSweet Blend. I know NutraSweet's everywhere, but in Tab, it tastes terrific. It's crisp, refreshing. It's really satisfying. If you haven't tasted new Tab, you got to try it. Do, and you won't drink Tab because you have to. You'll drink Tab because you want to. Hey, we have just a minute left. I wanted to thank uh, Mike Hipple again for joining the show this week. His book, 80s Redux, Your Favorite Musicians Today, is available at Amazon.com and pretty much any other site where you buy your favorite books. You can follow him on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Mike Hipple Photography or find him online at www.hipphoto.com. Also, a special thanks to our sponsor, Hymns. Remember, you get that trial month for just $5 at 4 slash 80s. Uh, Brad. Yes, sir. How are you feeling? I'm feeling pretty good. <laughs> you feel like you're ready to take my text at 4 in the morning when I can't get to sleep? Uh, yeah, my phone goes on to do not disturb. So you text all, <laughs> text all night, brother. Okay. In the meantime, Brad, Mike, and myself, along with our favorite musicians from our beloved decade, remain here, hopelessly stuck in the 80s. Stuck in the 80s is a member of the CLNS Media Network. Special thanks to Check Battery Daily for our theme music. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or the CLNS Media mobile app.